Welcome to the Nebraska Hawks Nest. These guys are brave. They're Hawkeyes living in enemy territory. Listen, these guys are way past their prime, but they're still Hawkeyes. They're spreading the Hawkeye hype to all of Nebraska. The Frost Advisory is canceled. Corn Huskers, more like corn suckers. Are you ready for this podcast? Let's go! All right, welcome back to Nebraska Hawks Nest. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button so you can get all the updates for the newest and greatest interviews for all the Iowa Hawkeye legends we bring on. Today, it's the one and only Matt Vandenberg. How's it going, man? It's going good. Uh, you know, I like the, the the video, you know, to start everything off, but I kind of felt personally attacked. You said that these guys are all past their prime. I was like, geez. No, he's talking about like us. That. He's talking oh, about us. I thought he was talking about us too. I was like, "Wow, he's yeah." But he brought the juice, but felt yeah. personally attacked. <laughs> no, 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 no. He wasn't talking about you guys. He was talking about <laughs> me and the rest of our middle-aged staff that's over here running Nebraska Hawks Nest. So he he wasn't taking shots at you, man. You're you're st- you're still there, so no worries. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Let me know what's going on with you in your personal life right now. Um, now I know that uh, they got a baby on the way. We heard and. Uh, I, I know that's exciting news. Um, tell us about what you're doing for work and what's going on with the family life. Uh, so, I mean, you already touched on it. So she's actually due April 12th, um, which I actually found out that I think it's 5% of babies are born on their due date. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of variants, but um, yeah. so we're looking forward to that, knowing that we're kind of, I don't want to call it the home stretch, but I feel like the tunnel's getting a little bit longer just because you're, you know, you're ready now. Um, I think we're in the midst of nesting, in the nesting phase. I think that's what they call it. Okay. You know, getting everything for the nursery, you know, making sure we've got, uh, I'm learning a lot about babies that I didn't know before. Like one of the big things is I didn't know they had their own little, uh, little like uh, bathtub that they're in. Like they okay. get their own separate thing. I thought you just like held them underwater and then they're clean. So <laughs> like that kind of stuff, uh, <laughs> learning a lot. And Laura's sisters ha- got three kids. They're uh, 12, eight and five. So being able to see, you know, kind of that, now, granted, that's not infant, but, um, you know, being able to see a little bit there is good. You uh, got built-in babysitters. I was going to say, that's the nice thing. I don't know how much they charge. We're going to have to negotiate that a little bit. But um, as for work, uh, I am a real estate agent with Urban Acres Real Estate. I'm on the Bales team. Um, started that last April. So I got into the people business when you weren't supposed to be around people. But either way, uh, you know, things uh, things have turned out pretty good. I'm enjoying it, uh, learning a lot of learning a lot of good stuff. And Mike and his team do a fantastic job. So it fell into a really good situation. Cool. I just from checking out on social media, it really does look like you fell into a good situation. You seem really happy and you seem to be having a lot of fun. Uh, just wanted to see if you're ready to, you know, give Nebraska Hawksness the exclusive about uh, what the name of the baby's going to be. Have you, have you announced that yet? 
<laughs> we haven't. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. It's funny. There was this app. I, I don't remember what the app was, but you could swipe right if you liked the name and then swipe left if you didn't. And Laura and I both downloaded it. And um, I think we went through about 400 names and we matched on two. And those two aren't even in the running anymore. So <laughs> I think we're going to be coming down to the wire here. I think we've got four that are on the docket. And, you know, I've, okay. I've heard parents, you know, they see the baby and then they're like, oh, we thought he was going to be Jim. And he came out and we realized Ron, you know, fit him better mm -hmm. or something like that. So we're trying to yeah. have a few backups, but we're not really All sure right. yet. So sorry, no okay. exclusive content. Oh, sorry. I had, I had to try. <laughs> you guys know if you're having a boy sure. or a girl yet? Yes, it is, it is going to be a little boy. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. We got a little future wide receiver then. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. So what's the, the biggest thing that you're looking forward to in fatherhood coming up? Oh, man, that's a loaded question. Um, honestly, just like playing with them. There's a, there's, we got a decent sized yard here. Uh, we actually just bought this house. We moved in in August. Um, there's like a decent sized yard out back and just like playing with them and being around them. That's, I mean, I'm looking forward to everything about being a dad. I remember uh, when Laura first told me, uh, she surprised me with uh, with cupcake, and it said "on to the next step," and it had a little baby feet on it, and I was like, "Is this what I think it means?" And she's like, "Yeah," and so you know, I got really excited or whatever, and then I had to go. Uh, I was coaching or my five year old nephew. I was helping out with this t ball team, and I got there, and I was like, "I don't even want to coach any of these kids. Like, I, I'm gonna have my kid now. Like, I just want to yeah. coach my kid." So uh, that kind of stuff, I'm looking forward to. That's great. Uh, and Laura's been really, you know, in the public eye through the University of Iowa with a lot of things. Um, so fans have really gotten to kind of know her over the years. Uh, what is she up to other than being extremely pregnant right now? What is, what is she up? What is she up to? <laughs> I, I won't tell her you said that. Um, <laughs> I'm not going off pictures. I'm just going off the timeline. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so she does social media for about four or five different, uh, different companies helps out with, you know, basically their Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of stuff, as well as she still does Zoom interviews. Uh, it's unfortunate that she wasn't able to be, you know, with fans and everything like we normally would have been because uh, it was a lot duller of a, of a fall and winter than normal. I mean, November when you've got women's and men's basketball, you got football, you got wrestling, you got volleyball. I mean, we essentially live at Carver uh, yeah. for that month. So that was a little bit different switching more to Zoom interview stuff, but she's still, uh, she still has enough on her plate. What, what is her role with the University of Iowa exactly? Because I know that she is very much the face of a lot of the different things that the athletic department does. What, what specifically is her role there and what all does that entail? So I think her title is host of Hawkeye Sports, um, but it really has a wider thing than that. It's not that they just give her a script and then she goes out and reads it. Uh, oftentimes she comes up with her own script and does her own research. So it's it's not as much as uh, plug in somebody and then it's there. It's because she knows everything, knows Hawks. Obviously, we believe black and gold, that kind of thing. And so her doing more research helps her to be able to talk a little bit more extensively about whatever it is that she's discussing. Um, so I don't know how aware you are of this, but um, you guys are starting to kind of gather up a nickname. It's starting to build some hype and build some energy. There's people are starting to call you Mr. And Mrs. Iowa. Have you, <laughs> you heard about that at all? You guys are like the power, power couple of the Iowa Hawkeyes now is what it's starting to become. Have you heard that? I haven't, but I love it. <laughs> See, you got, you got to like start to own that. Get on and trademark that quick. You got to <laughs> copyright that and own that before that starts to blow up. But that's what, uh, 
a lot of people are referring to you guys as like the Mr. and Mrs. Iowa. So I thought that was pretty cool. You guys, there's no couple out there that's more Hawkeye than you guys. I think we might need to get t-shirts made. I I agree. I agree. <laughs> I, I would buy one for sure, man. I got to support Matty B everywhere. I can. Fantastic. Hey, Love tell it. us, uh, tell me about your uh, recruitment coming out of high school. Um, now I believe you were recruited by Reese Morgan. Am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy is the absolute legend at finding diamonds in the rough. We talk about him all the time. Like, I don't know anybody that's found more guys that are loaded with potential and talent than Reese Morgan has, and then actually brought it out of them. Um, tell us your, tell us all about your recruiting process coming out of high school, what schools you were talking to and how your recruitment with Iowa went and what made you eventually decide to become a Hawkeye. So uh, being in South Dakota, uh, this is, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that are like, oh, I'm going to go to the hot spot of South Dakota to go recruit. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Um, thankfully, what? we had some guys. Yeah, I know. It's shocking. It's shocking. <laughs> um, you know, you go out there, see three on three football because that's all we have. Anyway, um, it was it's I, I uh, went to Wisconsin. I went to uh, North Dakota State. I went to Iowa State. I went to Iowa. I actually went to Nebraska uh, for all these different camps uh, going into my sophomore year. Um, I was trying to basically just get recruited, get an opportunity at the next level. Um, and then going into my junior year, um, I went to a camp at Iowa and um, we were playing, they call it Razzle Dazzle, which mm. um, it's kind of like a, you know, Ultimate Frisbee, like the rules of Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. So essentially it's like that. But once you have the football, you can run with it as opposed to Ultimate Frisbee, you have to stand there. Yeah. So we were playing and um, I went to, I went to make a play. Oh, I was on, uh, I was on defense and he tried to throw it over me and I caught it and brought it back for a touchdown, whatever. And then they started coming back. And after that, coach Morgan pulled me aside and I was talking to him a little bit. And then um, I actually told him, I was like, hold on a second. Cause I tried to throw it at me while I was talking to him. So I came out, picked it off, threw it and then like came back and talked to <laughs> coach Morgan a little bit more. Um, so uh, I think that went well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But once I started talking to him, uh, he got me in touch with coach Woods. Um, and so, cause coach Woods is from there, you know, he went to West lion, which is 20 minutes from where I grew up, uh, just across the border. So uh, I got to talking to them and that's kind of, kind of what it came down to. Um, I almost, uh, I almost had an offer from Wisconsin. It came down to Robert Wheelwright, the receiver. I think he was uh, out of Ohio. Um, when I believe it was coach, was it Gary Anderson? I think, uh, yeah. at that time in 2013, yep. um, so they had come to my school and talked to me and then they had said, you know, if Robert backs out, then, you know, we're going to give you that scholarship offer. And so it came down to it. My dad is a big Badger fan. My grandfather grew up in uh, Fond du Lac. I don't think he ever left Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, he was just there for his entire life. And so uh, it would have been tough to turn down. But after I got an opportunity to go see what I was really like, um, it, it would have been really tough to walk away from that. And obviously I didn't. Um, but when I went down there, um, it, it, it was just kind of like a family atmosphere when I went. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and I also didn't have like an actual scholarship. Well, I did have a scholarship offer, but it wasn't going to start right away. Mm-hmm. So it was going to be a gray shirt. Now, I don't know if you're too familiar with gray shirts. A little bit. Yeah, I've heard about it. So essentially, I got offered that going into my senior year. Um, and because they had offered uh, X amount of other receivers like A.J. Jones, Andre Harris, Derek Mitchell. Like there were a bunch of other guys that they had uh, offered at the receiver position. So they said, you can come in and spring. And so um, bef- after my senior year, I just planned on working that summer. I was a painter. We painted inside, outside the homes. And like, that's just what I did all summer. 
And then that fall, I plan on just taking a few classes online. And then in spring is when my scholarship would start. And then I would actually go onto campus. But I just plan on staying in Sioux Falls that fall. Um, and then four days before camp, um, a receiver got let go. And KF called me and he was like, hey, we need you in camp. Can you be here in four days? Uh, yeah, yep, I can be there. <laughs> you cool. got it. So uh, that's kind of how that, it was a real whirlwind of four days. I think my mom struggled with it more than anybody else. But um, it, it was a good time. So over the years and during your playing time there, have you been able to convert your family members from being Wisconsin fans to being Hawk fans? It's funny you say that. I just got a text from my dad uh, because Iowa played Wisconsin in basketball and he goes, there's no way you're going to make it three in a row. And then I sent him back a gif of uh, Matthew McConaughey going, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's one team for basketball. We seem to you know to be doing pretty well and, and have their number. They're a solid squad every year. That Wisconsin's always got. They're always they good got at some everything. Big guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're good every year at about everything. They're they never have any real ups and downs. They're usually usually pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. dur- during your time as a Hawkeye, uh, you got to play for a couple different quarterbacks. Um, so we got um, Jake Rudock and Nate Stanley are two different guys. Uh, very different playing styles. Um, I'm sure, you know, a lot of differences in personalities. What would be the di- biggest difference from your perspective as a receiver playing for those two at, on the field? And what's the biggest difference in their personality? Well, and to kind of go along with that, I feel extremely honored and blessed to play with three NFL quarterbacks. I mean, Rudock uh, went to the Lions, and I don't know if he's still in Miami or not, but he got an opportunity with Miami. CJ, obviously, with the Niners, and now Stanley with the Vikings. So I feel extremely yeah. honored to to have played with three NFL caliber quarterbacks. I know there are a lot of guys out there that don't get that opportunity. There's, um, no, there's not. Those are three <laughs> really good guys. Absolutely. Um, Personality-wise, I mean, CJ... I think you can kind of gather CJ's got a little more swag to him. He's a little more uh, loose cannon-esque. Um, but that also kind of went along with how the offense ran. So with Rudock and Stanley, it was a little more um, structured in terms of the offense. You know, it's like if we get this look, we're going to check to this play, and then that's how it's going to be. But with CJ, Coach Davis would sometimes just, sometimes just call formation. And then CJ would take a look at what they're giving us, and then he called play based off that. So, and then CJ kind of had more control of the offense and that's kind of that loose cannon risk reward kind of thing. Uh, obviously we got rewarded a lot more than, than risks. What was the feeling like in the locker room when, um, you know, when CJ wasn't starting and, um, you know, when Jake was in there and there, you know, was uh, as a fan base, there was turmoil. Everybody was really, you know, hammering, wanting CJ to be the starter. They'd gotten glimpses of him, you know, here and there, and he looked really, really good. Um, and at times, you know, Jake had had a little bit of issues here and there getting the ball to go down, move down the field. Um, was there any sort of discussion or any, did you guys feel any sort of that friction or turmoil uh, in the locker room with that quarterback battle that was going on? I mean, it was pretty clear to us that Jake was at that time the starter. Now, I think he got hurt a few different games. Um, and so CJ came in relief and played really well. I remember one play specifically where we were like, dang, he's got an arm. And it was that Western Michigan game. He hit Damon Powell on the left side. It was a, it was a long fade ball, like 60-some yards. And we were like, he got a kid. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like that kind of stuff is really good. But um, I don't know if necessarily turmoil. I as a receiver, I want one guy. Like if you yeah. decide to go with, with Rudock, then that's the guy because uh, guys have different cadences. And I'm sure the offensive line can tell you this too. Guys have different cadences. Guys inflect their voice differently. They have different dropbacks, different timing. They put the ball differently. 
and the spin is a little different. So it's nice knowing that you got one guy. So I know what to expect with that guy. Now, granted, CJ obviously came in, proved he was the proved he he should have been the guy. And like I said, all three, uh, including Nate, all three were NFL quarterbacks. But um, it, it's just nice having that kind of consistency under center. No, yeah, it's it's definitely got to be. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your rivalry with the Iowa State Cyclones, because that seemed to be a game that you definitely got up for. Um, I would say years in the past, and this is just an external view as a fan, because you could say you're absolutely wrong, Adam. It just <laughs> seemed like when we played Iowa State, they would treat it like their Super Bowl, like the biggest game of the year for them. And we would come in and, and treat it as business as usual. It's another game. We're going to play it like this. And it seemed like that their intensity, even though probably not being as good of a team or as talented, they would hang with us every single time. But you, on the other hand, always seem to be one of those guys, especially in that game, that your, your level of play stepped up a notch against them. Um, tell us about your rivalry with Iowa State and how it felt going against those guys. Yeah, I always had a good time playing Iowa State. Um, I will say outside of Iowa, I think, I, or outside of Kinnick, um, Jack Trice might be my favorite stadium to play in. And the, the grass is always really nice. You walk in by their fan base, so they're all chanting, you know, obscenities at you. I'm not going to share them on the program, but they're all chanting things at you. And, like, you, you just kind of feel it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, we're here to, we're here to do some work, and we're here to quiet this crowd. Um, that's so I mean, that, that, that's, that's by far one of the best parts of it, but, um, I think you're right. I think both teams kind of, anytime there's a trophy involved, you're going to play a little bit harder, um, just because you want to go up on, especially when you're on their field and you hoist it up and you only see Hawkeyes in the stadium because all the Cyclone fans left. I mean, that's, you can't, you can't beat that. No, it's very satisfying. And you talk to a lot of guys and they're like, it's ironically it's almost more enjoyable to shut up an opposing crowd and hear the hush than it is to hear your home crowd blow up. And <laughs> I can, I can imagine because I, I was there for a couple of those games and I don't know, you always came to play against the Cyclones and I love that about you. Um, tell us about you guys had kind of a public proposal and I believe that was right around an Iowa state game. And, uh, Walk us through. I want a little play-by-play of how you planned that out and what was going through your mind when when that went down. Uh, well, uh, I had had I had had a few different ideas because she actually so Laura cheered at Iowa for a year. Um, I don't know if it was two years or not, but I think she cheered for a year. And so I think Northwestern they were going to do uh, an alumni game, and so she would have been down on the field already. But obviously, as we later find out that same year, I broke my foot and didn't play against Northwestern. So it's a good thing that it happened the way it did. Um, But basically, I had the ring in my backpack just in the locker room. And I didn't tell anybody because uh, the only person that knew was the um, was the camera guy, because I had talked to him. I said, hey, if we win this game, when we go back out there, I want you to videotape this. He's like, all right, all right. And the main reason why I did that, number one, I mean, obviously, it's really cool. But two. You got to put her in a position where she's not going to say no. In that <laughs> position right there, there's zero chance she says no to me. We might go back and like talk about it later, but at that moment, she has to say yes. Um, so, but that was that was like it. And then, of course, everybody else, you know, talking all their smacks. She's just like, yeah, I threw him a few extra balls because I knew not a chance. He didn't know. BK didn't know. Our receivers coach, he claimed he knew. Not a chance. One thing that I will say, and my mom's going to hate me for saying this. But she had she had like these game game day pants that she would always wear. I would encourage that you go back and watch the video. And my mom is wearing these black and gold tiger pants. 
And wow. anytime I see it, I go, mom, why you knew that that was a possibility. Why did you wear those pants? And she can't stand it. So for anybody else out there wants a good laugh, go see what my mom wearing on the day I got engaged. <laughs> I think that's pretty sick that she's that cool that she'd wear pants like that. That's, <laughs> that's actually kind of awesome. <laughs> I might need to clip that and send it to her so she knows that somebody appreciates her pants. No, I think that's cool. I have some black and, ye- <laughs> black and yellow pants too that I wear for games that are pretty obnoxious. So uh, I, I get where she's coming from. You got to be bold and stand out a little bit. I mean, um, look but, good, feel good, play good. Yeah. There you go, man. How, <laughs> How did uh, how did you and Laura meet? I don't know if you, I don't think you covered that, but how did you guys end up meeting and uh, start dating? Uh, it was actually after the uh, after the pit game. Uh, so Marshall kicks the game winning field goal, um, you know, and everybody freaks out. It's a night game, obviously, uh, with Brett Greenwood and everything. Like, give it a lot of emotion in that game, and and uh, we got home and we we're like, hey, are we gonna go? Are we gonna go out? Like, are we gonna go hang out? You know, downtown or whatever. And a couple guys already went, and I was like, mm, I might as well. And actually we had like met and started talking a little bit there. And for whatever reason, uh, when I remember I walked in and she's like, Hey, how's it going? And I was like, who are you talking to? You're not talking to me. Like you're, she's too good looking to talk to me. And so, uh, <laughs> I did that. And for whatever reason I had enough game and then, uh, we just kept talking after that and obviously developed into a pretty decent relationship. <laughs> yeah, pretty decent. <laughs> Attaboy. That's awesome. That's always cool to hear those stories. Um, one story, not quite as much fun, um, your redshirt season, uh, rehabbing from injury. Tell us about that process, how frustrating and difficult that must have been trying to get back out on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's it had a couple layers in it. So that year, uh, going into summer workouts, I had had the best spring. Like I'd felt really good about myself in terms of how I was performing, how I was taking care of my body. I felt like that, you know, I was ready to make that next step. And obviously with Tavon leaving, um, you know, we were kind of, we were missing that guy. Uh, I know Jerem and Riley were obviously there, but uh, Tavon was a big play threat for us. So I was trying to, you know, kind of take over that role, not necessarily just as a deep threat, but the guy that can move, you know, wherever I needed to. Um, And then we go into, um, we get into fall camp. And my shins are messed up. Like I could only practice about half the practice. And this has never been like, I, I don't think anybody really knows this, but uh, so I only practiced a little bit. That's why like when the season started, I only played in 11 personnel because uh, I wasn't like my shins were all messed up. And so uh, just kind of waiting for that to heal. And then um, we were running a, uh, we were running a double movement practice. I had a post corner and, I've run it a thousand times, never had any issues, you know, plant, boom, plant. And as I came out of it, uh, for whatever reason, my f- foot stuck in the ground and uh, I heard a pop, but like, you know, I mean, in that mindset, you know, like, that, that wasn't anything like I'm all right. And so I walk on it. It's okay. It's okay. And then um, I'm like trying to jog back to the huddle. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I think like something actually like went wrong. Oh. And so I went into the shed and, uh, and got an x-ray and everything. And after that, I mean, that's, that's just kind of it. So uh, at that point, I kind of saw myself more as a coach, uh, you know, trying to get everybody on the same page. Like Riley knew all the positions, Riley McCarran. So, you know, I wasn't too concerned about him. He and I were the same age. Um, but in terms of trying to get guys like Germ and uh, a few other guys up there that, you know, trying to do the right thing, but also know all the positions because now we're down a guy. And so now we need to be able to fill that void with, you know, the best players. And Brian Ferentz has talked about this before. He looks for the top five linemen. He doesn't care if you play guard or center or tackle. He just cared that he's putting the five best linemen on the field. Um, and so it's kind of like that with the receivers as well. 
Uh, so kind of transitioning into a coach, it was, I mean, obviously it's not fun. It's not, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it stunk. And I remember calling Laura and being like, Hey, like this, this is what happened. And of course, you know, we're on the high of, I just got engaged and, you know, I'm playing well, whatever. And then yeah. unfortunately it goes down. And then, uh, thankfully I got a few reps in there at the end of the year, uh, kind of got back into it, understanding what that looked like. And then we got into February of 17. Um, and I ran the same route and it broke the second time and that time i went uh two weeks without getting looked at because like i don't know it just kind of felt like a sprain like all right and it's just flaring up from before whatever it is i'm not too concerned about it and then we were doing something and i was like "Mm, it hurts a little bit more than i think it should so i went in there and sure enough so they had to go in take out the screw that was in there put in a bigger screw and then do a, a bone uh a bone graft for my knee in order to try and get everything in there uh, so finally took her, took care of that. I was out basically all summer. So the toughest part about that was that was the transition from Davis to, um, Brian and from BK to cope. So now I'm trying to learn new offense, new verbiage, new everything. And I don't get to rep it. So that was the toughest part about that is trying to learn everything new. Cause with Davis, it was like almost like a protection was a word play could be numbers or words and formation was a word. And then under Brian, it was number, number word. So now everything is flip-flopped from what I've done the previous four years. And now I don't even get to rep, you know, what I'm doing now. And then my role got changed as I got moved to the X receiver versus the slot, which I had been most consistently playing. Um, so it was just kind of a, I don't want to call it tumultuous cause it's really not that bad. It was just hard to mentally to get everything down yeah. uh, going into the next year. Um, coming out of that, um, going transitioning into trying to play professional football, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you had a shot with the Chicago Bears a little bit, and uh, tell us about what it was like trying to transition into the NFL. What teams did you try out for? Um, it, it, how, how did that process go? So I got an opportunity with the Jets um, before I went to New York, and that was when Bowles was there, and Darnold was the first round pick, and he is a stud, by the way. Like he is, he was making some throws that I was like, wow, this guy, like he's got it. So it's unfortunate that he's been in the situation he is with the new offensive coordinator every year, and and why not out there in New York? But I really like Coach Bowles. I really like the way that the Jets like did everything while I was there. The culture seemed good. You know, guys seemed to you know work hard. It's just unfortunate that. I mean, it's, it's a tough league, obviously, yeah. uh, but my time out there was, was good. And then I went to Chicago and, um, it was a little smaller of a room or no, it was more receivers in Chicago than when I was in New York. Um, but in New York, I remember coming in and he had like, he had like ranks. So like, here's our X receiver, here's our Z, here's our F. And I was at the bottom of everything, uh, when I first walked in there and I was like, I'm not leaving like that. So by the end that uh, by the end of that little stint, um, I had gotten to the point where I was starting on most of the stuff there during that rookie mini camp. Um, and so I got an opportunity there. But then I went to Chicago and uh, same thing, kind of in the middle, not not too crazy. And then on the outside, I had a post and they were quarters coverage, which means I'm getting the ball. And so uh, went out, boom, boom, gave a move and I tore my hamstring. Uh, um, and I was out from, that would have, that would have been mid May. And I was out from mid May until late November, um, okay. trying to rehab that. So I'm, I'm talking five months of rehab. I mean, I pulled, everything just came out. Uh, so obviously, I mean, if you're hurt, you know, what good are you to me? You know, yeah. in terms of that league, especially when the motto is the more you can do. And at that point it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
I rehabbed it, came back for a second pro day. Um, actually beat all my other numbers, better broad, better 40, better vertical, everything went way up. And, um, so tried to, you know, get there, that opportunity, unfortunately, nothing came from it. Um, and then in the XFL, I got an opportunity down with the St. Louis battle Hawks. Oh, um, I went down there for a, uh, went down there for a 40 minute workout. And then about two or three days later, I think they fired the offensive coordinator that brought me down there. Uh-huh. So again, I mean, that's just kind of the way it works. And at that point I was like, all right, I had to get right with, uh, I had, to, I had to talk to the man upstairs and be like, all right, apparently I'm being really stubborn and you want me somewhere else. So can you just yeah. help me out a little bit? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm glad I at least got opportunities. And during your playing time at Iowa, do you remember um, who was the toughest guy you went up against that you were either like, God, I can't get open on this guy or somebody that just hit no next level. Nobody. You were the man. Nobody. <laughs> it's not, it's not that I felt I was a man, but I'm never going to go up there and be like, Oh, I can't get open against this guy. Like never. Anytime I go up there, it's like, all right, this is my chance to show you that I'm better than you at what you do. I'm better at what I do than what you are at what you do. And you got to approach that every time. I mean, I went up against Desmond every day in practice. Doesn't mean that I caught every ball and doesn't mean that he stopped me every time. Same thing with Greg Maven, who's still in the league. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm never going to go up there. And that's the thing too. And that's kind of that mentality of, just wanting to compete. And I love competing on that. Cause it's, you know, now I get to show you, I get to show you that I'm better at you. And if you get me, you get me, but you better be ready next time out. I like that answer that we have not had anybody actually answer it that way. That's very confident. <laughs> that's not co- That's not cocky. That's confidence. So right, I, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you've had multiple guys on, on here that talk about the work we put in, in terms of the summer and then camp, I mean, camp 22 days, it, I yeah. mean, you, you're getting your work in. And so, I mean, I put in all that work. There's no reason I shouldn't come out and think I'm the best. Now I'm not going to flaunt it, but in my head before I'm going up and be like, okay, I know how this guy plays. I've watched the film. I've done my extra research. I've done my extra footwork. I've done my extra, whatever. I know, I know what I need to do. Does it always work? Of course not. But now I know what doesn't work, so now I need to come back with what does. Um, in your opinion, with uh, with the changes that have ma- uh, been made with the strength and conditioning staff and the guys that are leading that now, do you feel like there's going to be any drop-off whatsoever going um, going forward with this season's team? In terms of like how uh, like conditioning or what yeah, do you mean? Performance on the field, strength, conditioning, uh, edge when they're out there. Because you know, we always talk about the Iowa edge that we always seem to – you know, have, have an edge on people just because of the training and the work that you guys put in. For sure. Um, one guy that I think had a very influential, uh, I don't want to call it a handprint, but had a very individual, uh, a very influential innovation sort of towards Iowa football is, is uh, Nick DeMarco, who was a, uh, he was an assistant while I was there. Um, I think he was an intern my first year in 13 and then came back in 15 and was hired. Um, from 15 until 17. And now he's the director of sports uh, performance out at Elon University in North Carolina. Um, and he's, I mean, he's very innovative in terms of what he does and and how he approaches speed and conditioning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think his kind of ideas are there, but then you also bring in Ray, who's been there since I think 02 or 03. So, I mean, he's been around, he's been a lot of, around yeah. a lot of really good teams and and understands kind of what the goals are. And, um, I think there's a big difference between lifting to get good at lifting and then lifting to get good at football. And I think they're going to be able to find that match, um, to where I don't, I don't, I don't really see any drop off. I mean, as we saw this year and you talk about, um, you know, the ups and downs of what the off season looked like and, and trying to figure out who is going to be the strength coach. And yet 
I mean, one thing about Iowa is you, they're going to go to work. You're going to go yeah. to work. You're going to figure it out. And we ended the season on a 7-0 run with an opportunity that could have potentially had two more. And I have no doubt in my mind we would have run those last two games if they play. So, oh, yeah. I mean, in order to finish the season like that when your body's banged up and hurts and I don't think there was a bye week, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. like all that kind of stuff, that's no. that's a long season. That's what Drew Tate said about Mizzou. He's like, they didn't want that smoke. He goes, they got COVID on purpose. They didn't want to play us. He's like, we would have ran them over the way that we were playing. <laughs> How good do you think that Spencer Patriots can be this upcoming season with having a year spring ball under his belt and being able to have more of the preparation to go out there and uh and execute on uh, a, and get a better start than we did because, uh, you know, obviously that wasn't on Spencer. You know, he, he comes right out. He doesn't get spring ball at all. And, we, you know, they throw him right in and he's throwing the ball like 40, 50 times a game. And it's like he, they, the guy didn't get a lot of time to prepare. And then fans got kind of frustrated with him. And it's like, you know, we, we need to take a little bit of a broader look at this and give this guy a little bit of a shot. You know, he wasn't really thrown in the most easily – uh, easy position to succeed. What do you see for him having a year to prepare? Well, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, there was a lot of people calling. Now, granted, everybody's going to call for everybody's job. I got called for my job multiple times. You know, get him out of there. He's trash, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, that happens regardless of who you are. Um, but now getting a full year of spring, I think this spring is going to be really important for him. I think it's going to be really important for Alex Padilla. I think it's going to be really important for Juice Hogan. And, uh, I mean, my position group, I think it's important to find somebody who's going to step up and be the guy. I mean, I think Brandon was a phenomenal wide receiver who always had an opportunity to make a play. It really didn't matter where you threw the ball. If you threw it near Brandon, I felt confident that he had the opportunity to bring it down. So now you're going to have Tyrone and Nico that have played but haven't, like, you know, get to a point where they're humming and knowing everything and, and moving forward. So I think it's really important for them. But, sorry, Strang, I get excited to talk about receivers. So That's all good, man. Going back to uh, Spencer, I think it's really important. And, you know, it kind of talks to – uh, like we talked about before, between Jake and CJ. Um, I think it'll be between Spencer and Deuce and Alex Padilla. I mean, talk about Nate and Wiegers, uh, Stanley and uh, Tyler Wiegers going into that spring ball. We kind of felt that Tyler was going to be the guy for spring. And then by the time we hit fall camp, Stanley emerged as, you know, understanding things and obviously got the opportunity to play. And Tyler went on to Eastern Michigan. But I think this spring is going to be really big to see who picks it up and who can make those adjustments, um, you know, based on what they're seeing and, and I know Brian's asking him to do a lot in terms of being able to see what the protection is, knowing who's hot, knowing the read in any given situation. But uh, I think the spring ball is important for everybody. And that's another thing, now that I'm just rambling, there's another thing, too, in terms of, I mean, it's always a competition. Just because somebody has the job doesn't mean that you don't have the opportunity to get that job. I mean, um, when I when I first got to Iowa, I mean, I said I got there five days. I got the call five days before camp, and I ended up playing in the first game. I mean, I was 14 out of 14 when I showed up, but it's just a matter of competing and wanting to do your best every time you go out there. And I have no doubt the guys that are there right now aren't going to do that same thing to try and put themselves to be the starter. You know, Spencer has to go prove that he deserves to be the starter. And Alex Padilla has to go prove that he deserves to be the starter. And Deuce Hogan and and uh, Kapisak and everybody that's in there has to go out and prove that, you know, they're the guy. I need to ask you like a really serious question. So um, let's focus on this one. Um, Why did you never do a flip into the end zone like Amir Smith-Marset? Not athletic enough. That was insane. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Now, I will – the caveat I'll put is the best way to help your team is to be on the field. I will say that. Um, Actually, uh, after I got done playing, so Laura obviously was a cheerleader, like I'd said, and a dancer and whatnot. So I tried to 
she tried to help me learn how to do a backflip. So I'm in the process of learning how to do a backflip, but I, she had always been scared to let me try before because they didn't want to get me hurt, you know, to go play. So she wouldn't teach me until after I was done playing. Oh, I mean, it wasn't pro it was probably a little bit of a boneheaded move, but it was still pretty amazing to watch him soar through the air. It's like, holy shit, that was unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway, all right, Matt, well, we know you got a lot of work to do today and uh, we just wanted to say congratulations on the new addition to the family. We're so happy for you, man. I mean, I think it goes without saying you're going to be a fantastic father and we're all going to be watching from afar rooting for you and hoping the little guy ends up becoming a future Hawkeye, whether he plays football student what well, you know is just a student whatever as long as they're healthy and happy that's all you care about i agree i appreciate it adam and uh, i'm looking forward to a little meerkat there you go baby all <laughs> right man we'll talk to you later hey thanks for joining us we always end it with a go hawks <laughs> you got it go hawks all right